Peter so far has piled on a heavy listing of law to move us to see why we should be imitating our Father in heaven. He's brought us to see we're no longer in ignorance. We're, we're called to imitate a holy Father and he demands perfection and he's shown us how God judges us and is not going to give us a free pass. That's all we had. It'd be a pretty hard, pretty hard road to walk, bearing the cross, striving after the crown. But Peter gives us also the greatest reason. It's what he mentioned earlier, the, the grace to be brought to us. And he mentions how in faith, hope, and love, the greatest reason we have for holy living is found in the way that he obtained for us that gift by sending his only son. This message comes from Rock of Ages Lutheran Church in Payson, Arizona, June 19, 2022. 1 Peter 1, 13-22 The movie critic and author Paul Acey likes to review movies particularly that involve superheroes. And recently he gave a review of the, the new Batman film that came out. And he made known in his blogging, his podcast, and everything that he's, he's a pretty big fan of Batman. And yet, even, even though I don't know much about his work, there's a quote by him that is kind of fitting for Father's Day where he said, forget Batman. When I thought about what I wanted to be when I grew up, I wanted to be like my dad. I'm sure that, that type of a sentiment rings true for a lot of children. That not the, the superheroes, but really their, their own fathers, the person that they want to emulate, to imitate in their life, to be like them. But today as we continue our series in 1 Peter, we see Peter urging us to be like our Heavenly Father. As we look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 and following, we see Peter instructing how we are emulating or and how we are to emulate and imitate our Father in Heaven as he builds us up in faith, living faith, hope, and love. Firstly, Peter says here, with minds that are alert and fully sober. He's basically saying here, if you look at other translations, get your, get your mind set for action. And really, it, it's a, a picture that he gives us. The, the language is actually a metaphor where he's telling us to put a belt on. And really, more literally, you could read it as, put a belt around your brain. The King James Bible actually translates it, gird up your loins of your mind. See, the, the first thing that we are to do as we're prepared to live a life under our Father in heaven doesn't have necessarily to do with some action or deed, but rather with a new mindset, with the attitude of our heart. He says, have your minds at alert and be ready. And how are we are to do that? Well, he says, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you. Get your minds belted and, and ready for action as you, as you set your hearts and your faith on what Christ is going to bring you. And this is really what energizes, what gives us as Christians, God's people, a mindset different from this world. We know Christ is going to come again. And we know that when he comes again, we are going to be ready and we are going to receive something he brings us. Peter calls it here, the grace that will be brought us. It's an undeserved gift something that Peter mentioned earlier. It's the inheritance that is ours because of our living Savior. 
a new home forever in heaven, new and glorified bodies, a place to live with our God forever, a gift from God. This is what has us with a a new mindset, with our, our minds belted and ready for action. And then Peter goes on to give us, list for us, a few reasons why we should aspire to holy living. And he urges us to imitate our Father in heaven. Firstly, he says, since you, oh, he says, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. Yes, God has made us to be his children. And as children under our Heavenly Father, he says, don't conform to the evil desires you had in your ignorant life, your foolish ignorance of unbelief. You know, the, the sinful desires of our heart want to live in things that, that we don't even consider. Do we rightly consider wrong? Well, the sinful heart doesn't want to consider lingering on lust or continuing covetousness or just a bit of little lies as wrong. But does our sinful desire rightly label evil what God calls evil? Peter says, don't conform to the evil desires you had. Those things go against our Heavenly Father and are evil, even if our sinful hearts might say they're okay. And the world around us, too, would have us conform to the desires of the sinful flesh and think there's nothing of it. You know, I went to a library in Phoenix and went to the children's section of the library recently. I was surprised at how it really had materials that were borderline not just political, but even pornographic. And the materials were encouraging children to delve into habits of this world which would break the sixth commandment with sexual immorality, would break the fifth commandment with going against God's gift of life, and would have one conform to sinful desires and not consider anything of it. That's how the world would have us. And certainly, the devil doesn't want us to have our minds our hearts belted and ready. He wants us to loosen our belts and to be ready to receive all these materials and all these temptations and to conform to the world around us. how How do we make ourselves ready? It's not by some tool belt like Batman has. It's it's not by putting on some tool belt like your father might have. It's setting your hearts on the hope to come. And as we do that, he calls us to not live in the way we used to live. We used to conform. At one point, all of us were born to conform to this world. But we've been called to be children of God. And no longer in ignorance, we know those things are evil. Peter adds to his list. He says, But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy, because I am holy. Or as Jesus quotes also from the Old Testament, be holy, be perfect, as your Father in heaven is perfect. Notice Peter's not saying something like, just do better than that guy. Or just try your best. Or just do more good than bad. No, he's calling on us to imitate holiness from God the Father to imitate and strive for a holiness and perfection that far 
far ascends above every other measure of goodness. God is absolutely holy. Our Father in heaven never lies, never considers anything evil to be good, never tolerates injustice, never is unfaithful, never fails. He is absolutely holy. And we are told to be holy as he is holy. Don't misunderstand, the, the level of imitation here cannot be lessened or watered down. This is what God commands. You know, every, every father certainly wants their, their children to live a good life, and they'll try to model the behavior they want their children to imitate. Every good father does that. How much more shouldn't we imitate the holiness, the greatness of our holy and wonderful God? But Peter continues to add reasons. He says, Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners in reverent fear. Not only should we live under our God as holy because he is holy, not only should we live because we're no longer in ignorance of what is evil and sin, but we should live a holy life because God does not show favoritism. We can't begin to think that God will make us, as so often we're tempted to think, God will make us the exception. That he'll look on the the things that we're facing for today and he'll give us a free pass for the sins that we commit. Or that God will somehow hold the horrible deeds of our neighbor accountable, but not hold our sinful desires, sinful thoughts, sinful actions to account. God sees all. And God does not give a free pass to any sinner. He won't say, well, I know know little Marty's had a tough day. I'll give him a free pass today. No, God is impartial as judge. And he will not give anyone a free pass. Shouldn't this drive us to look before our Father, whom we're supposed to imitate in holiness and perfection, whom we've been brought out of the ignorance of sin to follow, shouldn't that cause us to bow before him in reverent fear and say, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for my disobedience, for my rebellion against you, you who called me to be your child. You know, if it were just left at this, Peter so far has piled on a heavy listing of law to move us to see why we should be imitating our Father in heaven. He's brought us to see we're no longer in ignorance. We're we're called to imitate a holy Father, and he demands perfection, and he's shown us how God judges us and is not going to give us a free pass. That's all we had. It'd be a pretty pretty hard road to walk, bearing the cross, striving after the crown. But Peter gives us Also, the greatest reason. It's what he mentioned earlier, the the grace to be brought to us. And he mentions how in faith, hope, and love, the greatest reason we have for holy living is found in the way that he obtained for us that gift by sending his only son. He says, For you know it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life, handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but revealed in these last times 
for your sake. See what God has done? In a world filled with rebellious, ignorant, foolish children, conforming to the sinful desires, he sent the one obedient son, the perfect son, who from eternity is with the Father, holy, holy, holy. And the Father sent his son to pay the price that we needed, to set us free. Jesus, the perfect and holy Son of God, lived obediently. Jesus is described here as a lamb without blemish or defect. For all the times that we failed to be holy as our Father is holy, Jesus did not. For all the times that we failed to not conform to this world but conform to holiness, Jesus lived a perfect life. For all the times our reverent fear slid to the side, Jesus lived in perfect reverence of the Father. He did this for us. And though he deserved only life, he came to pay the price. The perfect, obedient son willingly kept his father's will so that we could be also brothers and sisters, children of the Father in heaven, brought into the family of God, bought with the precious blood of Christ, just as all those sacrificial lambs without defect in the Old Testament were sacrificed for the taking away of sin. This perfect lamb, once for all, took away the sins of the world. Jesus, the Son of God. So Peter says, Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him. How do you know you stand as a child of God? It doesn't depend on you. Jesus, the the same one who went to the cross, Peter says, was raised and is glorified. This is now the the third time Peter has mentioned Christ's death and resurrection already in this, this chapter. Jesus was raised to life, and the Father gave his approval that the payment was good, and you have an inheritance. And when Jesus comes again, he will bring you that grace and that gift, because he's the living God who went from the cross to the crown. And so Peter says, your faith and your hope are in God. Faith in the the work of Christ, not in our holiness, but in his. Faith, looking forward, that is the hope of what is to come and what he's promised. And along with faith and hope, Peter says there's love. He says, now that you've purified yourselves by obeying the truth, we've been consecrated, set apart, so you have sincere love for each other. Love one another deeply from the heart. I don't know what you might want if you're a father here today, but I can tell you what I would want for Father's Day, and I'm sure every father does. It's that the children love one another and that the family is together in love. Our Father in heaven has given us faith, has given us a living hope, and also gives us, through his working, a living love with his greatest gift. We now have faith, hope, and love to imitate our Father in heaven because of his wonderful working. We've been, as Peter says, bought back from the empty way of life given by our forefathers. You know, the the first father, Adam, didn't have much to pass on to his family. He couldn't bring his first two sons to love one another. But our Father in heaven works a love in this world because of faith and hope in his Son, which brings a love to us all, a living love, as Peter says, loving deeply from the heart. 
And that's what our God has brought to us. Not an empty way of life. Forget Batman. Forget every other hero and every other figure in this world. None compare to our Father in heaven and his great holiness and his great love for us as his children. We see as we look at this section of 1 Peter how he takes us from cross to crown. And he does this with giving us a living faith, hope, and love.